So welcome back guys to episode 7 now of Coach Talk. This podcast is brought to you by... By Culture. That is me and Shuhan's marketing company where we mainly focus on the online side of marketing. So with like Instagram, Facebook, also like creating websites and all those kind of fun stuff. Yeah. We also have House of Shiba. Yeah, so House of Shiba is your one-stop shop for beauty, skincare and hair care products catered to women with melanin-rich skin and that's launching in 2019. So make sure to check all the links in the description for that. And today... We have a special guest for episode seven. Welcome, Simeon. Yeah, thank he is you a good welcome. friend. Yeah, oh, welcome. Thank you for coming down. You know. Pleasure to be for here. For real. Want to tell us a bit about who you are? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> bring yourself into the light. The intro's already been done. Um, my name is Simeon. So I go to UCL, which is obviously where I met all of you guys. And while at UCL, I am studying neuroscience. Um, and I guess it's fair to say that my university experience hasn't been the sort of normal route that someone would take. So it was actually last year where I decided to interrupt my studies by taking a gap year for reasons which we will get into a bit later. Yep. But within this year, um, I've been doing a lot of um, self-reflection, understanding myself better as the person. Um, I've gone into a job where I'm actually a teaching assistant in an SEN school. Okay. So I'm working alongside um, children with autism and other difficulties. And that has really opened my eyes to a lot of things going on in today's world, which are perhaps um, neglected and forgotten about. Yeah. But that's also relating to my course, um, which is neuroscience. And it's relating to my course, which will help me in my future years with my dissertation, etc. So what made you want to go into an SEN school? Was that like a certain... What, what choice did you have to make? What decision? What made you want to go into okay. that? Okay. So I guess it is the personal aspect. Okay. Um, having been surrounded by... <laughs> family, friends, etc., that um, have suffered with autism. Okay, yeah. um, and I guess it's my own inquisitive nature and that curiosity whereby I want to understand the complete, um, the complete scale of autism. And I feel like the only way you can understand it is by working alongside those children. And I guess it's such a rewarding job. I mean, yeah. with some of the children I've worked with, the reward that you get out of it, it you can't put into words. So the reward side of things as well, making me, you know, want to wake up in the morning and get to work and make mm-hmm. the change is something that I just needed in my life at a period of time. So it's been the perfect job for me. It's been the perfect experience. You know, when you said at the start, you said you've, you've taken a different route. Yeah. <coughs> like, what was the... Because we're, we're, we're still in it. We're just, we're, okay. just, we're just going through uni, expecting at the end there's going to be a gold yeah. pot, which is like, like which is a job. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah. Um, so the way that I saw things is, and I guess I can use this analogy in a sense. So let's say, for example, um, I promised you if you were to behave well at the end of the week, you could have a chocolate bar. Okay. So that's one scenario. A second scenario is I could give you a taste of the chocolate bar and then given that you behaved well for the rest of the week, Mm. you can have the chocolate bar at the end of the week. Yeah. Okay. So after tasting the chocolate bar, do you think you're going to be more motivated to then get the chocolate bar given that you behaved well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Can yeah. you agree on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So the way I saw it was we're promised that we're going to obviously exit university with mm-hmm. a job, which we know is not always the case, is it? Yeah. No. So I guess the way that I looked at things and the way that I saw things is I don't want to be promised this. You know, I want to know what I'm going into. Okay. So the way I saw it is I'm obviously having this emotional... Um, emotional turmoil at university mm, which yeah. I guess all of us have been through at some yeah, point yeah, definitely. yeah and um I wanted to taste what was out in the real world the only way I'm going to taste what, what's out in the real world is taking that break and actually going out into the real world mm-hmm. and that's why I actually discovered a lot which has now motivated me to return to university and do well in my studies to get back into the real world so do you think do you think a gap year is <coughs> is wise but do you think yeah. it depends on the person um, 100% it would depend on the person right. you need to know yourself if you know within that year you're literally just going to laze around you're easily going to get distracted from the ultimate goal which is to finish off your degree at some yeah, point yeah. then perhaps a gap year would not be best for you but if you are going through that sort of like emotional battle and struggle where university is not a reward for you anymore it's become a burden yeah. and you're asking do I even want to continue with my course then perhaps you do just need a break to reevaluate the situation that you're yeah. in and that may often provide you the extra boost the energy that you need on return to your studies. So most definitely, I think it does depend on the person. I personally think people, that when they're coming, well, like sixth form, when they're going <coughs> to apply for universities, 
there's almost this false perception of what university is going to be for you. And I will <clears throat> sometimes feel like it's not out of your own choice. You have family pressures, mm-hmm. people telling you, oh, yeah, yeah, you need to be going to university. This is and that. Like, university is not be all end all. Like, there's other options. No, there's, there's other, other options. Yeah. It's like, as you said, find yourself as a person. Don't go into something that you're not too sure about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or on or someone else's word. And exactly that. Like, so again, like you decided to go into teaching. Um, what made you go for that? For example, I think a lot of people in that gap year would decide to do something related like to the career path or traveling yeah, even. Yeah. But a lot of people go for the career path, which they'll end up taking after uni, after they graduate. Okay, but yeah. you went for teaching. Yeah. Do you plan to go <coughs> for teaching after you graduate? Um, teaching is something I've never thought about going into okay. it's something that would never have crossed my mind and I think it's because the fact that it would never have crossed my mind that led me to do it and people would ask the question why would that lead you to do something that you don't even want to end up doing yeah. but for me I'm the sort of person that I love gaining experiences from things that perhaps are not in my comfort zone okay and yeah exactly I was about to say that exactly. like getting out of your comfort zone that's yeah. like the best thing you can put do put yourself out of your comfort zone yeah. is the only way that you're going to eventually learn to be comfortable in that period or that yeah. zone so I knew things that I didn't like doing and things I don't like doing is the things that I do a lot. Public speaking. I hate public speaking. Yeah. I have terrible anxiety when I get on stage. Mm. Right now, I'm very nervous even talking within this room. Mm. Yeah. But I force myself to do it because mm. I see it in the sense that you have to put yourself through mm-hmm. these things. So that's exactly why I went into teaching. And I think it comes off experience. so strongly because like you like you can barely sense that you're even nervous. I can't even that's tell what I'm yeah. saying. Because yeah. I've known you, just you seem really confident like, with your situation. Like, yeah. Because I've known you since first year. You have, you have, I say you have a decent social media presence. <clears throat> like, you do your stuff. Yeah. And I feel like you have a voice. Like, I, I can't tell that you have this, the feel, this feeling of anxiety and stuff. Yeah. Like, you almost mask it quite well. But again, you're brain, breaking out of <coughs> your comfort zone and you're telling yourself it's okay to do this. I think, I don't know, it's telling yourself it's okay. I, yeah. I can do this. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. It's like, because like sometimes I get that, I feel like people, I always think about people going to judge me, what are people going to say, yeah. how am I going to look, how am I going to be like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. That's what I always, but then at the end of the day, it's okay to, to think that. It's okay yeah. to not be okay. It's okay not yeah. to not Simple be okay, yeah. No one has a life where they wake up in the morning and everything is perfect from the yeah. morning yeah. they wake up. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just like, it's not like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And portraying that lifestyle is not benefiting you because you yourself mm-hmm. know that the lifestyle you're portraying is not, it's not exactly. and it's not benefiting anyone else because you're not helping other people yeah. by feeding them lies of how life is going to be mm-hmm. because life is not going to be that what it's portrayed out to be yeah. and that's the the hard fact of it mm-hmm. life is tough and it's going to be tough, tough and exactly. we have to face the fact it's going to be mm-hmm. tough but we also have to come together as a support group as a community to support each other going through things yeah just be there for each other you know what i mean you know we went to dublin and then the guy eugene yeah. he recommended this book um, 47 rules for genius yeah I actually read that, you know. You read and it's it. actually really Is that the good. book with interviews? Uh, no, it's like 47 rules of genius. So it's like, it's like 47 rules they give you on there. Yeah. And it's like how to deal with like real life situations. And it's actually really, really? good. Like oh. the one oh. they spoke about, the comfort zones. Yeah. You know, the quote you just said now, it's okay not to be yeah. okay. Yeah. They literally said that on that. Yeah. <laughs> they said, no one is going through an easy time. Everyone has internal turmoil. Mm-hmm. And it's okay not, not to, to be, be okay. okay. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's a good read. I think everyone should read that. I no, I'll definitely check it out. I read that. But do you guys think that like when you pretend to be okay, it actually makes it makes yourself worse from the inside? It makes yeah. it so much yeah. worse because it impacts like your mental state. Yeah, like, yeah. You're pretending you're, to be okay. You're pretending not when to you be yourself. And like and you're alone. When you do that, comes up. you're literally creating a deeper hole within yourself. Yeah. And when you do that, you're not allowing people to help you. You're not you're not helping yourself essentially. No, exactly. But it's not it's so hard to say that's the fault of the person you know like it's so hard to bring yourself (laughs) out of that like and that could be that they need therapy or they need people to talk to or they don't have people to talk to maybe they don't feel open talking about that with family or maybe their parents don't understand but you know it comes from a place of um you know like you need good people around you yeah and you need to try and seek out help you know if you do feel like that did your brothers take a gap here um, none of them took a gap year, so straight through. Yeah, they went straight through. They went to Ghana and did their um, their A levels there, and then they mm-hmm. came back. You obviously went to Nigeria because you know. Uh, I'm forty percent Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna leave this one down. <laughs> you know, I'm never gonna let this go. No, it's I'm never, never gonna let this go. It's actually bad, but um, yeah, they came back, then they redid their A levels, and then went straight into uni. Oh okay. now, yeah, now they're in work. Has mm. Richard got another job now? Um, yeah, yeah, he's working for the NHS, yeah, at the moment, so yeah. 
these two guys, I want to model myself off them. They've mm. been, they, they're like, they're killing it. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah honestly. Yeah. I remember the first time I met you, yeah. you were actually explaining the whole process that they went through yeah. to the point they got to now. It's just admirable. It's, it's, it's insane. It can be done. Yeah. And if you were to ask them how they got to the point that they've been through, yeah. they wouldn't tell you that it's all fun and joy. Mm-hmm. It's no, going to be wouldn't. trials and tribulations. There's a lot yeah. of hard work. Which, yeah. as you said, I feel like... <sighs> We're going to get in deep to it yeah. now. What I'm about to say, um, in the sense that when I was in school, mm. I remember, I don't know if your teachers are the same, um, and perhaps it's not the teacher themselves, but perhaps it's the whole um, the whole system behind the teaching mm. that leads to them even come to the point where the teachers said this to the students, but the teachers used to say, university is easy. It will be the easiest part of your life. Did you ever have that in school? Yeah, I think yeah. I, I had that perception, you know. Mm. Or A-levels yeah. are harder than universities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A-levels are harder, yeah. My teachers were <coughs> real with me. They were like, you're yeah. going to suffer. And I was like, okay. No, I, I had that. <laughs> some teachers will be truthful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and other teachers will not be truthful with that. So I think there is the fact we do have to be truthful with our young people. We do have to protect our young people. Mm-hmm. But protection all the time isn't no. by telling them a lie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We do have to tell them exactly yeah. how it's going to be because the problem that we're having right now is that people are signing up to university that perhaps shouldn't have gone down the university route in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking it's going to be an easy ride, thinking it's going to be a nice social, fun aspect mm. while forgetting the ultimate goal of university is to get your degree at the yeah. end. And that's because it reflects well on the sixth forms when they get kids to go to the top universities in the world, mm. the Russell groups and whatnot. But what they're not showing or telling kids is that there's so much more to university that doesn't make it so easy, such as the mental impact, you know, like some people not being able to find friends, the lack of mental health services. There's so much within university that they don't teach you, but they just try and push you towards it. I think without a doubt, it cannot be questioned whether or not Mm. there is an underfunding of mental health services within university. Because having been through the mental health services at UCL, I can say from my experience, it's underfunded. And from many other experiences, I'm sure that they would agree with me. Um, so what can be done on that, do you so, reckon? Okay, so, so we... So do you want to say or do you want to say? You say? So basically, we... <laughs> we Last year, we had an entrepreneurship module, which we had to think of a business idea. And we had to make like a whole business case for it and everything. And he said, make a business idea of something you believe in, right? And then as we suggested, we came up with the idea of mental health. Yeah. At university, I do remember that actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Minds yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what we're now doing is in our dissertation, in our masters, because we're doing masters now, yeah. we work on a project to get a business off the ground. So we're we're planning now to get Minds matter off the ground. So it becomes essentially every university's mental health department almost, and because where students have gone through the whole university system, and then me, we've we've experienced mental health for our lives at some stage we feel like putting our time and effort and getting students involved in there, we can make a whole big solution that just brings everyone together. Because mm. I understand where you're going, because yeah. even you sell mental health services, you have, there's a waiting list. Yeah. There's almost there's a waiting there list. There is a waiting list. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if you're going through something that's real deep and then someone's sitting there saying, oh, you wait uh, two, three weeks and then we'll get back to you. Do you think mm. that is Exactly. Think exactly. That and within that two, three, pe- um, two, three week period, the symptoms can be Anything worse. Can yeah. We don't know what's going on within that period. Yeah. And... um sorry to cut you off but just to add to that point when I was in high school for example when I first started to reflect on my own personal mental health and think okay I'm not in a position where I should be I'm not feeling out myself um and you know having gained the courage to even go to my school and say do you have any mental health services that can help Mm me I was put on a waiting list and did I even get seen no I didn't get seen at all and it is a problem yeah and it is a problem that has to be addressed because the fact of the matter is and this is the stats telling us that 75% of people that come into university with no mental health disorder Develop leave it. with yeah. a mental health disorder. It's not because they just joined and thought, oh, I know what depression is now because I learned this in my module. Yeah, no, that's not the case. That's not the case. They know yeah. what it is before, exactly. Yeah. But that's a problem. And I, yeah. see, I spoke to you like a head of year at UCL and he was telling me that the uni does have a problem with not recognising mental health. Mm. And they've only just started to recognise it now. Of course. What's that, new, mean, what's that new thing they've made? So positive. So I think since you left, yeah. the funding was around 130000 And that's what we found out within our business feasibility plan yeah. for Minds Matter. And I think they upped that after student protests to around... Yeah, it was up. 300 No less. I, I don't know. I don't know the 170 or 180k or something. But it wasn't as much as... 
the students need no, um, at all. So what they've done now is they've used an app called Positive, which is a mental yeah. health app, yeah. um, which they've made a partnership with. Yeah. And even though, of, of course, that's really helpful, yeah. we feel like personally, like being able to use an app to search mental health advice is great. All advice is great for mental health, but like we wanted to add a personal touch with Minds and yeah, Matter yeah, yeah. and allow students to connect with um, the student psychological services at yeah. universities directly um, and allowing them to provide help so you don't feel like you're just talking to nobody. That's true. And your well, what you said about the personal touch is yeah. so true because as you said, you need the you need a sense of community around it yeah. or around yeah, yeah, yeah. you. And um, I guess what I'm really grateful for, and this is in relation to my course, my course mates, absolutely amazing people, mm. where if they're going through an issue, they're not scared to say, I'm finding this piece of work difficult. Yeah. And, um, and speaking to Maya, in fact, mm. when I spoke to Maya, she actually said something. And she said that within the law course, it's a bit different because people are not as open mm. to speaking about the issues because they have that mentality where it's driven, competitive nature. Yeah. If I say I'm finding Definitely it difficult, incredibly, then that's showing the weakness to another person. Mm. And I do feel that the personal touch is so key. We don't just need an app to help us. Yeah. We do need that community yeah. and we do need that sense of real people mm-hmm. around us. So like on the app, we're going to add like features such as like you can <coughs> sign up either with your name or anonymously and you can talk to people that join that. So like someone else is also going through it. Mm. And that's you can, just you can, you can yeah. almost like be each other's support system, if that makes sense. Because I feel like with mental health, so you'd you'd rather talk to someone that's been through it rather than someone that studied it. Yeah, yeah. Because they know what the books say. Someone that's gone through it know how it actually is, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's like a whole mixture of everything. We want it to be like the all round. Obviously, we're on in the works there, and I feel like we need, we should speak to you yeah. more after this, like about it. But we want to yeah, get sure. something like that developed and off the ground. And obviously, like, we understand, I think we all understand, there's no one solution to, like, you can't just take the global term depression and think there's one solution right. to it or anxiety yeah, course, or yeah. there's so many branches. It's based on so many personal things in somebody's life, you know. Yeah. But and that's the problem nowadays. People think that AI is the solution yeah, to yeah, everything right where, like, you say, oh, I have depression and they just give you a basic reply mm-hmm. being like, oh, do this, you'll be fine. Mm. But it's much deeper than that. It takes a lot of character building and mental building for you to get out of that situation to then better yourself, to then feel okay with talking to someone. And of course, everyone's, um, as you're saying, the character building, the mental building, it's going to be different for every person, Mm -hmm. isn't it? So this is from my experience once again. So um, I've been diagnosed with depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety, insomnia. so these were through a period when I was struggling with this and I finally built up the courage to go to the doctor, to go to my GP, to speak about the issues. Now, I kid you not, on the first time that I went to speak to my GP, the conversation lasted two minutes. Within that two minutes, I did not get asked, are you eating properly? Are you sleeping properly? Mm. Um, are, you, are you having stress at work? Because if you ask those questions, I can say, no, I'm not eating properly. I'm yeah. not sleeping properly mm-hmm, and I'm yeah. stressed at work. Yeah. So then these are three factors already that are perhaps contributing to the way I'm feeling. Yeah. But they didn't ask those questions. What they do <coughs> is go straight to the pharmaceutical cure. Yeah, medicine. Or they go, exactly, they go down a medical route. So mm-hmm. they give you the medicine now um, that you'll be taking when perhaps you don't even need to take it, yeah. which is one issue within itself. But the second issue, in my opinion, is just the complete lack of... Um, support for the other methods like cognitive behavior therapy, for example, yeah. where people just need to sit down and actually to reevaluate the whole situation that has led to them getting to this dark place. Yeah, um, you know, it, I always say this and I always stand by this the whole healthcare system is a business. It's a business to make money. It's not a business yeah. to help yeah. anybody. It's not a business to make anyone feel better. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a money making scheme. 100%. You come in with a mental health um, like problem. They'll straight say, I'll go to the pharmacy and then they'll give you this, this and this drug yeah. or that, that and drug. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Of it course. literally angers me, man. Like, honestly, yeah. like not every pill or <clears throat> can help you. It depends what you put into your body. Even like thoughts that you put into your yeah, body yeah. Mm-hmm. come comes out. Yeah. So what you put in comes out. We so spoke about this in the fitness yeah. episode. And yeah. like literally the best thing to do is what you put in. It's true. Yeah. Some in, things like, is literally way. vitamins food yeah literally and man. your life, yeah. life, yeah. lifestyle yeah. so so when yeah. when they're sitting there telling you go take like i've got family members that when i go to the house i see their medicine cupboard and mm-hmm. it's like boxes or boxes of tablets they have to take daily yeah. mm-hmm. and it's oh, it's for this it's for that it's for that and then i look at the, how they're eating and their lifestyle and i'm just thinking i've if you change that 
and increase your a, a better lifestyle, better diet, more vitamins. You don't need to be on all these drugs because mm. the problem with these drugs is that once you stop taking these drugs, you relapse. Yeah. That, that is the truth <laughs> in a lot of cases. So the relapse rates are very high. Yeah. Um, and of course, it only offers a short-term cure, yeah. as you said, because as soon as you take it away, back in the same situation. Mm. Um, so in terms of the long-term cure, as you were saying about the whole, what you feed your mind and what mm. you're even allowed to cultivate within your mind, mm. allow it to grow, your mind does control your physical body and how you feel. Yeah. And it is a fact. If you get more sleep and you're eating better foods and you're putting better things into your body, Wonderful. you will feel better in that sense. And I guess the reason that depression is such a hard topic to discuss because it's easy to say it from the outside. Yeah. Oh, just eat better, sleep better. I've been in that situation when I've been trying to eat, I've been trying to sleep, but I can't do it. Yeah. And depression is so destroying and traumatizing because you're spiraling in that circle yeah. where you're trying to eat better and you're trying to sleep better, but you can't. Mm -hmm. And because you can't sleep better, now you can't eat because yeah. you're, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. you sort of end up in a dark hole and the truth is the government and the medical professionals haven't done anything significant to help us and i just want to say it's not like medicine can't help but you can see how much the pharmaceutical industry benefits and how much money they generate from selling and producing drugs essentially but what we yeah. see is doctors aren't paid enough there's not enough money put into a mental health service. Like, so how do you expect just that to be everywhere. reflected? Yeah, there's just NHS has been exactly. cut. We already know that because like, of yeah. Brexit. Yeah. How can and you like, not pay somebody whose their job is literally to help yeah. people? And regardless of, um, I guess regardless of the other situations that's going on, just going back to your point on the amount that doctors are getting paid, are you going to be motivated to even go into exactly. work? You're yeah. saving people's lives, mm -hmm. but it's the level of motivation that you're going into work with, which I think people seem to forget. Doctors are normal human beings. Yeah. If I've had a bad day the day before, am I going to want to go into work the next morning? No. Or if, no. I'm not, if I don't think I'm getting paid enough for my job, am I going to want to go into work? Exactly. Am I going to go into work knowing it's going to be another stressful day in A&E mm -hmm. full of stabbing victims that just go out of Croydon? Exactly. And yeah. that will reflect in the up. type of questions, for example, that your GP asks you. Exactly. Like they won't, you know, how would you expect someone to go through seven years of uh, a degree or however long it would be and then come out of that yeah. being able to help somebody with no motivation or no incentive, yeah. you know? And there is, there is truth in that point because we need to offer support to the community and we yeah. know it for a fact, but we also need to offer support to the medical professionals because the way I see it is we're trying to obviously help the community um, improve the overall mm. mental health because yeah. depression is becoming a large epidemic in this country. But at the cost of this, we're affecting the mental health of the doctors because there's a lack of funding, yeah. there's a lack of support for them yeah. in order to help us. Yeah. So if they're going through bad mental health themselves, how can they help us? Yeah. That's yeah. one of the questions I ask so always. True. How can they help us? Yeah. So you need to go down to the roots of this problem. It's not, it's Instead of trying to add a little touch from the outside, it's going from the roots of it. And mm -hmm. like, and then you know your point about medicine can. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, of course. I, 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 yeah, it can. But at the end of the day, when you're putting something unnatural into your body to fix something, that's your body is natural, right? Mm -hmm. And then what happens when you stop taking that? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think everyone... It's just a suppressant. Like, suppressant. It suppresses and masks it. Medicine, that's yeah. what I think yeah, it does. It does yeah. So I think what people need to do instead of that is, is think about the long term. So fix from your your root yourself. From, it's from like your a nervous inside. system. You that's fix you yourself. With that, you know, that's a long term yeah. solution rather than let me. It's like, you know, it's like Asians. I don't know, Asian parents, like anything happens, take a paracetamol. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah, you break a leg. <laughs> you break a leg. Oh, here's some like, paracetamol. Like, like, I'd be drowning and my dad probably dash <laughs> right? yeah, my <laughs> paracetamol in there. Just be like, yo, yeah, come on. Let's go, let's go now. But like, this brings us nicely to um, mental health in men. Because yeah. I feel like men probably struggle the most to come out with this sort of stuff, and because yeah. they have that sort of feeling that no, it's a culture not to talk. Yeah, it's like I, man should, up. I shouldn't feel like this. I'm a man. I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't like. You get what I mean? It's yeah. like a culture yeah. not to talk about it and to yeah. just to man up and deal with it, yeah. which I think is a very bad mindset to have. Yeah, I um, think it is a very bad mindset to have. Um, it's very obviously there's been a lot more talk recently mm -hmm. of things such as toxic masculinity, yeah. and I guess. I'm seeing it on Twitter all the time, especially in the black community mm. now, the often discussing the mental health within the black males. Yeah. And there is an issue there with mental health within the males. 
we know the reasons behind this. We mm. know why men aren't talking up. We know, we know. For example, I know it. I'm coming from um, a Caribbean background, and a lot of times, there's sort of things that my father could even say to me where I question him on it, and I say, "Dad, should you really say that?" Because we're, we're coming from two different generations in that yeah, sense, yeah, yeah, so we're having 100%. two different mindsets, mindsets and views on yeah. it. But um, how to combat it is the question, because it does exist, and I don't know how anyone can say it differently which I am starting to see. Yeah. I was told yesterday that like more, there's an increase in suicide rates between 40 to 50 year olds mm. because of financial situations, marital situations. But then also you can't ignore the fact that even teenagers now is increasing mm. dramatically. It's yeah. not like by a small amount, it's dramatically because of situations in education and then also work life yeah. that they can't talk to people about. Yeah. I feel like a lot of men just feel like it's, it's it's hard to say like this is what they're feeling this is what they're saying but when they're going through something they almost have that I need to maintain an image that I'm not weak if that makes sense I need to maintain yeah. an image that I'm I'm not going through something it's come from a place of social identity and how a man's place in, in the world should be and how a woman's place in the world yeah. should be mm-hmm. and with our parents generations it's been the man is the leader of the household he does X, Y and Z he keeps the family in check the woman does X, Y, and Z, stays at home, blah, 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 blah. So we've created these two roles, almost like they're jobs. Mm. And it's like, mm. within the man's role, it's like they're not allowed to talk or express all of this. And then we put pressure on women to be the emotional yeah. hub for, for the family or whatnot. And it's but, like... But like then, like I saw something on Instagram mm. where what people say to men when they're like feeling depressed or something mm. is man up. Yeah. Or to a woman, you're just being emotional. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's you, two do, sides you do think it. of it, but that's exactly true. The, the differences in words that we use, yeah. you're being too emotional, that could easily be applied to males, couldn't it? Yeah. Of course it could. But we don't say that. But we don't we say, say it. Yourself. We say, man up, or mm-hmm. you're a big boy now. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a crybaby. Exactly. You get things like that. And I look back at my childhood, I probably got those things said to me. Course, you're a big yeah. boy now. In fact, I know I have been had yeah. those things said to me. And I guess as children, you don't see how it can build up in your subconscious mind. Yeah. But all of these things are, they are, um, comp, contributing to the bad mental health that a lot of men mm-hmm. in today's society are going to have for the reasons that you're saying. Yeah. So I feel when we're discussing this top topic, it is a taboo topic, but I feel like a lot of times we do know the reasons behind it, but it's how we're combating them, which is the issue. Yeah. Because yeah. the man up mentality is literally to deal with things yourself. Yeah. And or just to push it down. Yeah. And to just push it down, suppress it, it, it and move on. Until it suppress explodes. and move on. And exactly. Until, until it, it explodes, explodes and then it like And then even you. then you still don't talk about it because yeah. it's not you don't have culturally yeah. acceptable. And I guess this repression of your feelings, it doesn't only have to um to lead to bad mental health. It can also lead to things, for example, I was watching a TED talk and this was um this was a black male living in mm. America and his his dad was an army veteran. So for him he was obviously had a lot of expectation to go down the same route and serve his country. But instead he became a felon and he was in prison for many different charges, including Mm. murder and multiple stabbings while he was actually in the prison. And he then got released eventually after many, many years. He came out and spoke about how toxic masculinity was implemented from his childhood and how it led to him to become to that stage. And he was just saying how it doesn't just have to lead to bad mental health, but it can also formulate other things. Exactly, life choices. Yeah. I'm a man. It's all about the power. When you're in school, there's often two different routes of power. You're either, this is what he said, you're either a jock, <coughs> so in America yeah, it's called, you jocks, know, jocks yeah. from the yeah. films, or you're a bully. And if you're not either of those, then you haven't got the power and therefore you're not a man. That's so interesting. In so can we actually box. talk about that? So in terms of Oh, yes, we can talk about it. It's a podcast. It's a podcast, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So in terms of that American lifestyle, like either a jock or a bully, do we feel like uh, schools in the UK provide more opportunity for you to become someone or to... Because I feel like a lot of... I hear a lot of people who go into crime, a lot of young kids who go into crime, stabbings and whatnot, gangs, often say they weren't given the chance or they didn't have the the opportunities at school. Yeah. Do you, do we really think that's the case? Listen to this. <clears throat> this isn't. I'm not gonna go too deep into it because it's personal. But situations have happened, and then I've had to speak to some people, and I've said, and I've been straight up and I said it. To join a gang, to walk around, to do to do gang related stuff, at the end of the day, it's all a choice. 
okay, you can say you had the wrong crowd around you, you had this, this and that, but it's a choice. Yeah. Regardless of what it is, you've made that conscious decision to go and do this. Yeah. If I agree. You, if you thought about, if I do this, what's the next step? Then you would never have done it. Do you know what I mean? You made that conscious choice. From where we've come from in school as well, from the yeah. people we knew, from the people I knew from out of school, I could have gone to a different route of life completely. Yeah, we all could But have. you make that conscious choice. Also, you think about, do you respect yourself and people around you? If you do this, how would they feel? If yeah. I, if you do this, how would you feel about yourself? Would you want to see someone else do that? Mm. It, it's a conscious choice. But I think it, it's about image. Doesn't matter. Especially with young kids. Yeah, like, you know how it image. is. Like yeah, people image. in their it's groups, they say, can be oh, if you don't do this, then when, like, but when these, you're no one. But when these kids turn around and yeah. say, oh, yeah, feel sorry for me. I've done this because of this, this and that. Nah. You made a conscious choice now. Yeah, exactly. Don't like, feel sorry for them because nah, they made you, that choice. You, but then, you made a choice, like, there's always a backstory it. to it. There's always like, 100% oh, well. my, my friends put me under pressure. They peer pressured me yeah, to do this, this and that. Is that. To carry a knife, yeah. to take drugs, but whatever. It's got but to like, a point where it's, it's, it's silly now. Yeah. It's I do silly. agree. Don't get me wrong. To an extent, I would have to agree it's a choice. But I guess that comes with the question, how far is our choice down to our own free will? Mm -hmm. I guess it's that question. Because you cannot deny the fact there are um, factors which can lead to a person to become more susceptible or predisposed to turn into a criminal, such as austerity, poverty, and just name a few. But it's true. Given the same situation, a person could be placed in the same situation as someone else. It doesn't mean they're going to go down the same route. So there's obviously something in that as well that we do have to look at which I do agree at Um, but overall in terms of the larger issue if you're talking about knife crime now Mm. I would say austerity and poverty are two of the main issues that we have to look at and two of the issues that the government don't want to look at yeah because it's I'd say the UK is good at sweeping things under the rug as in these things don't surface at all there's a a stab in every single day Do you see it on the news? Yeah, see it happens so much. I I, I find out up. because I search through Twitter and I find out oh this is happening. Yeah, yeah. But do you ever have it in mainstream media? Never. And this is what I'm saying. I think the UK, as opposed to America, is better in, for example, mixing society's cultures. Like it's yeah. not so much like America where, for example, they dump all the poor people in New Orleans or like there's literally states full of poor people. So of course crime Will will manifest and continue to grow. You, you know what's mad? It, we, it used to be like that here, because there's certain areas where they they would stick people. Yeah. Like, but have you not realized recently they've been doing new builds and stuff That's like that? Saying, yeah. And they've been putting in. Yeah, they're trying to bring up the areas. They've been, yeah, they've been putting in people. Gentrification. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah that's exactly. exactly yeah. yeah. So like, um, for instance, take um, Tottenham. Yeah. Um, even around the stadium and all that, they're building new apartments and yeah. they're, they're putting in like people that are not from obviously the class yeah. that Tottenham are known for yeah. even East London a lot of people are being moved in a lot of people mm-hmm. being moved out I think they're trying to like you know like yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. but in America that's they, they don't really care like if you literally certain areas America's where America's massive you need to think of a geographical point of view exactly. yeah, yeah, of course. Like, look yeah, how small different. the UK is compared, compared to America, to America yeah. I think like the UK was probably like the same size as New York yeah, yeah. let's see yeah. like it's massive like the like the buildings are exactly. much bigger so there's more apartments yeah. so here we have houses where people buy them outright and then they can just take care of yeah. themselves. But then when people can't buy houses and they have to like move around, being from house to house to house mm. through the council, that's when the problems start coming in. Um. And that's why people think that gang is the only option. Why do you think knife crime is... Because you literally see it every single day. Yeah. Every single day someone... Yeah. Is it a system failure or is our parents failing us or is it... What is it? What... what, what there needs to be like there has to be because like knife crime wasn't this big like I'd say would you say five years ago knife crime was as, as much as it is now no, no I'd no. say now it's very similar to how it was maybe when we were 11 or something so around why, that time why, why has because literally 2006 period 2000s, yeah 2005 2006 yeah. I'm crazy yeah. what's scary is that I see it on Twitter and I'm just like oh it's another stabbing yeah the fact, that I'm think- the fact that it's normal, the fact it's normalized, and you do desensitize like, it. Yeah, the fact that I'm thinking like that, I'm just there like, wait, I'm actually just, yeah, I'm yeah. just sitting there like, oh, someone else got stabbed. Like, that's crazy to yeah. me. Like, I don't think it's a parental issue. Like, I don't think it's from the parents, like, as the source, because no mother wants their kid to be running around with a knife, yeah. like yeah. stabbing people mm-hmm. or like selling drugs or whatever. I think it's mainly an issue of image. 
where like the power comes in, yeah. where people want to be in that area, they can't really get out. So they say, I want to be the king of this area. I also think a system is failing. People. I d- okay, so, so you could say it's a system thing. I think there is a, there is a system failure, but the system would not obviously be fully accountable. Because as you said, no, it does come down to choice mm-hmm. and it does come down to parental factors in some places. You see that a lot of people that turn towards crime often do come from single parent families. Yeah. A lot of them often are black skinned. Yeah. So these are the questions we have to ask. Why is it this case um i guess in terms of the system failure everyone often speaks about the need for youth workers and Mm -hmm. the need for more youth clubs in order to keep them busy keep people off the streets i'm an advocate for that i agree with that i do feel like if you're obviously off the street then you're less likely to be involved with the issues um but i think often the way that we combat things is quite wrong so i don't know if you been keeping up to date with the news this was say november last year 2018 mm-hmm. sadiq khan was um basically just talking about the recent knife crimes so at this period when he was talking mm-hmm. there was four knife crimes over a period of five days yeah so i remember it. yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. social media yeah. was heated there yeah. was people wanting questions parents just terrified for their children mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that. because if you started to notice a lot of the knife crimes now are not just between gangs it's innocent people dying there was harry Harry, oh, yeah, 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 the model, yeah. yeah, killed innocent. Yeah, there was um a girl in Tottenham recently, Tanisha, yeah, I, I think remember. her name was. Tanisha was murdered. Another innocent who's um, apparently not involved with any any crime. Yeah, two weeks ago, Caledonian Road, exactly. Uh, there was killed. one in yeah. Croydon. You know, there's obviously Croydon is one of the the hothead capitals if yeah. you put in that. Yeah, but it's grown. It's gone past the point where it's just between um between gangs mm-hmm. and. You're seeing it in the papers, broad daylight stabbings now. Yeah. Yeah. So the way we're combating this is we're putting more police onto the streets. And Mm. we're talking about introducing the idea of stop and search. A lot of people are against stop and search. Yeah. Um, am I against stop and search? I remember when Dave tweeted about it actually. And I honestly, me personally, I don't understand why he got so much flack. And I agree with that. What do you say? He said they should reintroduce stop yeah. and search. So he was the same. And to people it. ripped him apart. And then he yeah. went and reversed that statement on Hangman. He I did, think. yeah. He reversed on and Hangman. On, hang, on yeah. the tweet as well. On the tweet as well. He was basically yeah. trying to reason and explain himself. He went on to say, um, obviously, I'm against stop yeah. and search. I know there is, I know it's racialized. This yeah. the policing system yeah. in this country is racialized. He knows it. But if it is going to help to uh, reduce crimes or reduce, reduce eventual crimes, then so be it. Yeah. because there was obviously the desperation there that was after the death mm-hmm. of Harry but the problem for me with stop and search is it's not going to tackle the root cause mm-hmm. because alright cool they started the violent um, I think they call it the violent task force um, so yeah. Yeah. Introduced it. so they invested knock, 15 million knocking over yeah. like mopeds yeah. Yeah. yeah so they got initially it was 150 policemen but now it's 272 I think it is 272 policemen highly trained in order to combat this and they did a lot of searches and during their searches they found um, a lot of weapons I think they did 5,500 searches and made 2,500 arrests which you look at you look at the stats and you think oh that's crazy that's crazy that's That's like 50% yeah okay but okay so you stopped it from progressing to the point where he's used a knife but you didn't stop it to the point where he's even picked up the knife. Yeah, yeah. That is the issue here. And that's what I think people are forgetting. The issue is that we're not focused on the fact that the person has gone out in the first place mm-hmm. to the point where he's even thought, I have to pick up a knife. knife. Yeah. You stopped cause. it the root too cause. late mm-hmm. because you yeah. stopped it. Now he's got the knife. Yeah. Yeah. So Sadiq Khan can boast that 90% of the time we're catching the people that have committed yeah. homicides. Round of applause for that. But you yeah. haven't stopped it coming to the that's point right. where it's been no. a homicide. You haven't stopped it to the point that the f- person's picked up a knife. Mm. Stop and search, um, it's racialized. We, I don't think we can use it in this country as much anymore. Yeah. It's statistically proven 6.3 times more a black person, two times more a mixed race or Asian person will be stopped compared mm. to a white person. Yeah. Even though white people, on essence, they actually carry a lot more drugs. Yeah. And mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying knives because I, I don't know about the statistic there, so I'm not yeah. going to say it. But the point being that it's still stopping it too late. Yeah. So there still is an issue. Yeah. Here. So that's why I can't agree with. I the feel like there should it. be more. So say stop and because stop and search is kind of a hard thing to be like. Let's implement it because there's a lot around it. But I feel like there should be more maybe police presence on the areas that are most. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like so, yeah, the yeah. areas that are most in the danger category. There should be more police presence. Well, the thing is, then some people would also say, 
like that's racial targeting yeah. or they'll say they're only putting police in the black areas but like but like where is if, if statistically mm, yeah, if, yeah, if, if statistically that area like, yeah. has mm. has stabbing rates yeah. if statistics like what's the point of sticking someone say in um let's say give let's give crouch for an example yeah yeah okay what's the point of putting police presence in crouch end yeah and then and then yeah, they'll be like, at the coffee yeah. shops yeah like chilling like, do you yeah, get what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it, I don't, yeah, people are always going to have a problem with anything you, you do, regardless. Yeah. But if it's statistically proven that this area has a problem with this, then there should be police presence yeah. there. So yeah. they, they've looked into that. They looked at um the different areas and the areas that are hot on knife crime. Because as you said, you cannot deny a fact. So if yeah. it's statistically proven there's going to be knife crime in this area, yeah. then they said, okay, we'll deploy more police into this area. But then they're making and more cuts on police. Now. They have <laughs> done it, but exactly. So that was... <laughs> 2010 yeah. Theresa May yeah. made a deal with the Treasury yeah. we're going to take an 18% cut on our funding for mm-hmm. the police so the police are underfunded yeah, the police themselves just the general attitude that they receive on the road and you know a lot of times they wouldn't even be doing anything I've seen I live in Croydon yeah. so the attitude of the youth towards the police is not a positive one Yeah, you know pigs you see them on the road yeah, you shout yeah. pigs or whatever you do something to to you know wind and them up a little boys. bit see what yeah. they're going to yeah. do you do it do you know what I mean so if anything, you shouldn't have search and stop. You should have search and engage because those police, there's a clear divide between the police and the youth in the community. Mm. And in order to bring back a stop and search, that's just going to create a further divide in my opinion. So, you need to bring them together. There needs to be... I think of, now what they do is, or at least I see, I always see it on Twitter, like the police. So after there's been a stabbing, yeah. they implement a stop and search period for like a day yeah, or three yeah. hours. But I can't possibly see how that how that is effective. Uh, what are they? Uh, uh, it's not. Okay, cool. So a stabbing is happening in a certain area, right? Yeah. Whoever's done that, do you think he's really going to stick he's gonna, around? He's yeah. going to he's going to walk. He's not going to stick around. Secondly, you bring that stop and search. That's not going to prevent people from using a knife. No. Mm-hmm. That's going to prevent people carrying a knife. Yeah. Now. What they do, and this is obviously from from being myself, I've been through things. Like, I know people that have carried knives. I've I've seen the stabbings happen. So when I say this now, um, this is obviously from experience, and this is what has happened in the world. So I saw it on the news as well. They brought back stop and search after um, a stabbing had happened, and all that happened is that people just threw the knives under oh, the bush, exactly. come back for it later. So you can do your searches. You can find the knives that have been left around. But the knives are still on the street. Yeah. It's not exactly. solving the problem at all. That's easy to get. Yeah, easy. But then what can you do about that? Like, what can, if someone comes to the shop, I'm coming yeah. to buy a knife yeah. for is, cooking. Is there, yeah. is there, yeah, is there that's a solution? That's the truth. What can you do? I don't it, think there is. Like is a, there a solution? There's no now solution, but there has to be like a start. There has or to be like, something to yeah. reduce it because it's every single day you wake up in the morning and you not, forget yeah. the news because it's not like on the news. I literally jump on Twitter and then on your trending it's there. I was coming to uni and all I see out of the station is a line of police officers standing outside the entrance, yeah. blocking the entrance for kids coming out, yeah. going to yeah. the college so around the corner. That was another tactic. So and they um, had like an ex, like um, not X-ray machine. Um, where was, was this? It, like on the airport? What was it called? Yeah, metal like, detector. Metal where was this? Yeah. So was they also have in Lubbock um, Grove. No way. Literally, I left the gym. I walk around the corner. All I see is like two big vans, police vans, and they have the whole kit there. And it's like yeah. twenty police yeah. officers standing outside. Yeah. So obviously. South London, I live in Croydon. Yeah. So a lot of the schools within Croydon, they would introduce, as I said, they'll deploy more police there to combat knife crime. They would bring knife ones. So not the not actual the massive ones, one, but, but the little ones. They would also, Sadiq Khan has also introduced something. Um, it's GPS tracking. So he would yeah. put a GPS tracker onto your foot if you are a known knife carrier or if you've previously been committed yeah. um, on knife crime. So this is once you get out of prison, now they know who you are. Yeah. But once again, I asked the question, how is this combat a knife crime? It's not. Yeah. But it's not. No, yeah. And it's the just, solution... It's just preventing ones that are like from them. Yeah, exactly. Possibly. Possibly from happening. Mm. But back to the root cause, um, I do think there is a lot of neglect for the marginalised societies. Mm. There's a lot of neglect that has led to it. Um, because I guess with, within London, we cannot say that a lot of the knife crime is not committed by black people. Yeah. Okay, Because it is a fact. But that does not make it just black on black crime mm-hmm. because that's within London. What the media doesn't tell you is that in Glasgow, they had the highest homicide rate, 3.2, higher than any city in Europe. And you look at the crime there, a lot of it being life crime, and you ask what is in common between Glasgow and yeah. what is in common to, between London. And what leads to knife crime in both cases is austerity poverty. and poverty. poverty yeah. 
100%. not race because the people in Glasgow, the majority of them are not black yeah. citizens. They're white. So, so, so when you say austerity and poverty, then that's a system failure, isn't it? That is a system are failure. They, are, they, are they failing to look after the, the youth of, this, of today? I feel, and I'm saying this because obviously having friends that are perhaps raised in conditions that are not suitable for a child. So coming home um, to a house where the parents are not in because the parents are out having to work hard, long hours just to even provide a house. Coming home to no food on the table and being told that it's not right to pick up a knife. But what off, what alternative are you offering, yeah. really and truly? Mm. It's easy to say, don't pick so up a knife, like, but give me something to do. It's like, so I, I completely get that argument, but I struggled, like like I was saying, a lot of people yeah. say, oh, like, school wasn't giving me much, or like, this, this and that. But even if the schooling, like, a lot of schools aren't great, because there's so many free schools, a lot of the teachers aren't paid enough again, and whatnot. But I feel like they did have an opportunity to go to school and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And and for us, I know there were youth clubs around my area, yeah. Yeah. but a lot of them didn't really help any of these people. They didn't find it useful and they just ended up doing the yeah. same thing. They just carried, carried yeah. on doing road. Yeah. So like, I don't know I guess what the solution is. You know is. what also is yeah. it's, it's almost um, like when you have like rappers and that these days, they're almost like... Promote. glorify and promote this sort of lifestyle they almost it. show this lifestyle as like look at and people listen to this music yeah. and they're like oh I want to be like that oh like it's, you know drill music yeah yeah there was yeah. a lot on that wasn't there drill the music the talks about <coughs> doing this to this person doing that to this and person they can jail you for, yeah, for drill you know, music yeah, it's getting jailed for yeah. and especially uh, you know when you say like around the IR and youth clubs like, especially for you from the background you've come from mm. I'm, I'm myself I always tell you this I'm quite shocked you didn't go a different route like the fact that you were able to keep so on like a good like a path that's mm. not because well, the area you're from the situation you've been in yeah. and stuff you your life could have been so different and it's 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 crazy like uh what's it called i didn't i, I was only i only had my mom he yeah. passed when i was eight my yeah. dad was just around in and out left really um like i don't see him i haven't seen him for years um like my brothers were in ghana so technically, I was by myself, just with my grandparents. In my estate, there there were people who were in gangs, yeah. who are all now in jail, or a lot of them in in and around the area are in jail for a murder or connection yeah. to a murder. So it's like around that time, I could have made choices which could have led you me that way. Been, I didn't have my brothers to support yeah, me. That's what my I'm dad there. didn't support me, and that is. As you said, your brothers and your dad, people that should be role models in your life. Mm-hmm. And when people don't have those role models, that's when they often go down to the bad exactly. choices. And Did bad you roots. not make the conscious choice not to go for to do that? And for me personally, like, and even though my brothers, of, of course, would never tell me to go down that route had they been there, because they came, I think, when I was eight or nine years old. But like, my decision was literally, look, like these people are around, but if I hang around them. I know what my life will be like. I don't want to still be in this estate when I'm older. Yeah. And this that was me I mean, at eight this, or nine. Because you wanted exactly, to get out. You had is, it in your head. This is why, exactly what I mean. You, uh, even at that age, you had that mindset. You, If you know there's a struggle, you know you're going through a struggle, the people around you are in a struggle, then why go the same route? Yeah. Why go the no, same route? No, I can route? respect that. He, you, yeah. I'm giving you, because I'm using an example, because mm. it's the best example you can use. You literally, like you just said, you looked at it, you said, I know these people around, I know what they're doing. They might be making quick money right now, yeah, but at the end of the day, is that a long-term investment in their yeah. life? Yeah. And on the flip side, I can understand where they're coming from because then they have friends or they have boys where they're like, these lot went through the same struggle. We need to hustle. Yeah. But like, again, like you said, it's about thinking about the long-term. But then when you're a kid at that age yeah. Yeah, and you have no, hard. no role model yeah, it's hard. and like you have no father, your, your dad's like left or neglected you, you only have your mum around, you want to take care of her. Yeah. It's a hard it's place a hard to come from. Place it's a from hard thing yeah. to deal with. You know? yeah. it's, definitely, it's, it's definitely a mixture of things, but like, what could you think the government could do more to help the younger generation? I think youth programmes. Do you think? I, I think f- youth programmes, man, because like once you I'm give them that space where they can go to and maybe like take out their frustrations mm. in like a controlled environment. Like in my area in West in West London, they open like the, the West, I think it's called the Westway Trust. Yeah. Where they have a boxing gym, a normal gym and a center for them to talk and to learn with actual mm. professionals. Yeah. And it's free. So if you go to them and you tell them, oh, I'm having this problem, I'm having this issue, 
they'll help you. But then well, that's the thing. Are you kids, gonna tell like these kids also struggle to say anything? Are you gonna tell no, your boys like, that you're that you're going no, to? No, don't to tell use. your boys. Just go to them yourself. Yeah. Be like, I'm dealing with some stuff. I want to use the gym to like deal with it. Mm. They'll let you in. It's an open door policy. That's how they are. I'm fairly like I know. But I feel like they need more of that. That in same areas. thing was yeah. in my estate. There was a youth club in my estate for people in my area who were doing road and whatnot. But I felt like they ended up just using it as a place to to link up and chill and, chill and yeah. meet like it, it didn't it was like but then there needs to be structure then yeah so it needs to be structure it, structure. it needs to have there's no good opening a youth mm. group if you're not gonna have an end goal exactly so I feel like alright cool we've opened a youth group yeah we've done our part no you haven't done your part yeah. because you've opened a youth group without any sort of structure to mm. it any end plan any sort of progress being shown yeah. within those beings if you know a certain um, demographic or a certain area is going to be disposed to situations where perhaps they may take the life of crime yeah. then it does need to be targeted and I guess there is truth in what you're saying it's a choice and why are you going to choose this life anyways but I guess one of the questions we haven't really looked at right now is the fact that some people don't pick up a knife just because they want that lifestyle they pick up the knife because they don't think there's any way out of that or they know? don't feel and safe yeah. they don't feel safe you know my friend got stabbed last week so why Horrible. shouldn't I carry around a life? Yeah. Yeah. That's how some people think. Yeah. I'm not saying that I would do it, but I'm saying that... It's just, yeah. yeah. It's so exactly. hard. And I guess speaking from the outside, and this is another thing what I think the government should do. We're speaking from the outside. Obviously, we all have friends that might be, may be in those conditions, but we're still on the outside. We need someone from the inside. We need a mouth. We need someone to come out and speak and someone to be a voice for people of the streets. The people that yeah. are discussing things right now are who? The government. Yeah. But they're not involved. And by the way, can I just say, like, and when I found out, like, a lot of these people from my area who were involved in that in that murder, which happened in, like, I don't know, maybe 2011 or whatnot. Yeah. These were the same guys that would literally tell me, like, make sure you go to school, get an education, like, behave yourself. Like, yeah. But they they're the same people the same are path. locked up. Yeah. But they gave me, and I genuinely listened to them. I didn't yeah. take what they were saying as just like, because I knew what they were doing. I yeah. didn't know it would go as far as murder, but I yeah. knew what they were involved in. Mm-hmm. But they were literally advising me, like the olders were literally telling yeah. me like, make but sure you go to school. No, olders are like that. Yeah. Most exactly. olders influence the young to, exactly. to help that's them make their money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's just what you're how saying. some think. Like the government yeah. is not the voice we need. Like we need more people. No. We need people, for example, if someone comes out of jail, we need rehab for them so they don't reoffend. Yeah. And a lot of these people could become a voice for, you know, younger people yeah. who feel influenced by yeah. crime. Do you know what I also think is key as well? Is offering support for people that have um have relations to people that have been victims of knife crime. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people and a lot of stabbings that happen, you would be surprised, retaliation stabbings. You called my friend, I'm going to kill yours now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you have those in places, you know, well, if you have some sort of system in place where you can go and speak to a medical yeah. professional or just speak to anyone about how you're feeling and exactly. help you get back on your feet and overcome the emotional trauma, which a lot of these people are going through, but they're just taking it out in a completely Because I'll channel like, it. Exactly. Another life. Exactly. That's how they're channeling it. They need another way of doing that. Do we have this right now? No. no. We don't have enough of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we do need to bring into society. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was quite deep, man. Wow, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. I want, you do music. Yeah, yeah. You obviously know a bit about the music industry. Yeah. Do you want to say a bit about that? Because um, we had a great discussion, Knife yeah. Crime Mental Health. That was great. Yeah. That was crazy. Let's get a bit lighthearted now. All right. So music industry, obviously music is massive part of my life. I yeah. was... I was born into a musical family. Um, I've got cousins, uncles, aunties who are all involved in that. And it was something I latched onto really quickly. And I think music in a lot of these communities is something that is pushing through a message. Mm -hmm. The message has been questioned by the government, for example, drill music. But regardless of this, they're looking for the escape. And in, in a lot of cases, music is the escape. So you look at people that have come out of these places, Crepton Cone and Stormzy to be into it, the biggest, that have come out of where they've been to where they are now. But with that, they would also warn you about the music industry because Mm -hmm. I look at the music industry now and it hurts because there's been a growth in a lot of people getting locked to their label, um, a lot of legal issues going on. Of course. And Mm. 
the way a lot of people are seeing it now is that these massive major record labels are capitalizing on the ignorance of a lot of these upcoming artists because they don't know how the music system or the mm -hmm. music industry is working. So let's say, for example, I guess I just wanted to shed a bit more light on this. Um, Akala, do you know Akala? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah Akala, I know. She was on his Instagram yeah. today. He's amazing Love speaker. But he was basically describing his um, his history as a musician. He's been around for decades yeah. now. So I think it's probably 15 years he's been around. But he was basically saying how, let's say, for example, you're a talented musician and you want to make music, okay? So I give you an advance and that advance could be 200,000, yeah. okay? So you, don't you have, have a 200,000 advance. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have the money like that. So you're looking yeah. at that money. You're like, yeah. Yeah, that you're one. looking at it thinking, all right then, all right, that looks good. So you get your 200 pound advance and then you go on to make your album and your album is a great album. So you sell 500,000 copies. Out of that 500,000 copies, you're selling each for about, let's say 10 pound each. Mm -hmm. So all in all, you've made 5 million pounds. So you think, mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people look at the music industry and look at the artists and think they've got so much money. Mm -hmm. They need to be helping this community. They need to put money here and there. But what people don't know is what happens with that with that mm -hmm. five million pound now, because that five million pound just gets spread out. Distribution, spread out. Exactly. Yeah. management. So you have all of this cost. stuff. You have it. You have the cost. cost. So you have the record label straight away that takes eighty five percent. That's normally a set amount. I'm not going to say yeah. to say yeah. it for everyone because you can get a better deal. Eighty five. So leaving fifteen percent to the artist. So that would be seven hundred and fifty thousand yeah. pound. Out of that seven hundred fifty pound, this is what they recoup out of your twelve percent that you didn't even realize. So at your fifteen percent that you didn't realize before signing that contract, because mm. a lot of people are getting locked down to this, yeah. is that they're taking out the tour fees, the recording fees, the promotion fees, yeah, that you didn't even know the marketing is accurate. And it ends up that all of a sudden, after releasing a number one album around the world, you're left with nothing. You owe them money. Not even yeah. that you're left with nothing. You're in debt yeah. to your record label. And, and you need to produce the next album. The next album. Yep. The next album. So all you're doing is raking up this debt. And this is why you're seeing such a large increase nowadays of artists going independent. independent yeah. And yeah. you see the independent um, route is actually working because if you're looking at, let's say in the past, you're seeing that a lot of the artists nowadays are still having ongoing issues with their record labels. Yeah. Little Wayne, for example, just, yeah. just recently left yeah, Cash Money Business. Yeah, so... Eminem, for example, is having, he had issues with um, vinyl records. Yeah. So these are other things I'll talk about if you actually want to know about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like chance of rappers yeah. But these are scams that yeah. they implement into the contract. Okay. And the reason I'm talking about this is because everyone nowadays wants to get onto music. Mm. And they're sort of seeing a lifestyle that is portrayed without knowing what comes with the whole package. And I'm not obviously saying to go down the independent route because a lot of times if you want to progress as an artist, if you want to get big, then you have to be hitting... I'm talking BBC One Radio. Yeah, I'm talking about you have to be going to those major labels. Yeah, and you can get a good deal, but you just have to be aware, which is what I'm pretty much saying. You have to be warned about. Yeah, and of course, because the case is like as soon as, of course, you have a social media following, following you can post stuff yeah. out there. So as soon as a label comes to you and they're like, "Yo, like we like your stuff," we'll give you X amount to make an album. You're gonna be like, "Yeah," because you know their reach is extensive. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know, like, AJ Tracy's an independent artist. Yeah. Sort of, with the reach he has. But, like, you might think, oh, I can also go down that independent route. But he also might know people that are also in music that can get him there or, you yeah. know, whatnot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a hard decision to make. Yeah. And too many people get manipulated by um, management, by music management, into signing deals in which they don't know what they're getting into. Yeah. And it's sad. What's your future plan with music, then? My future pound music. Yeah. Um, What's your, what, what are you looking Obviously, at? I'm at university now, yeah. and I guess I've always been pushing for academics. Uh, music has always been a hobby, um, something that I appreciated and something I enjoy making. Mm -hmm. And to me, my music doesn't have to get to such a large platform because the, the way that I've always seen it is the content of a lot of my music, as you know, yeah. it addresses real world situations. Yeah. yeah. You know, Which a lot how of it, it should be. Exactly, I feel. But because of that, I don't feel it would ever get big. That's one thing, because of course the music industry is all about the money, but it's not just about the money. Mm. They also want to censor, in a sense, what you put out. Mm -hmm. So a lot of artists, one of the reasons they will stay independent is because they have that full creative freedom and control of the music, yeah. which the record label well, will just take away from you. Yeah. You think if Dave signed to a label, he'll be making songs like the one he released yesterday, mm -hmm. Black, yeah. or yeah. Question Time, to exactly. Theresa May. That would never be played on the radio. So... For me, I would not even look at a label, personally. 
I would go down my independent route and keep pushing out music in hope that it's going to connect to at least one person and they can make that change. But then I say it's also kind of shifted a bit to the other side where, for example, um, Nines has a lyric where he says something like, I'm surprised XL signed with a gangster. Yeah. So he signed to XL Records and he does promote drugs and he does promote, well, also speaking on reality, what he's actually experienced. So like, what do you think about that? Like there are some labels who do, there is still censorship of what you can say. Of course, by by all means, I'm saying, um, in no way am I saying that you're not going to get a good deal Mm -hmm. because of course you can get a good deal. Um, And you, I'm just saying you just have to be aware. Yeah. So there are going to be certain labels that don't mind you pushing forward that music. You look at hip hop in in, yeah. in its entirety now, and you sort of wonder how has it ended up to a lot of the music that is within hip hop exactly, yeah. being about sex, rap. Or yeah. Sorry, I'm saying rap, sex, drugs, yeah. and just cars, females, money. cars, money. Yeah. yeah. Same like stuff. That. Yeah. But then you look back at history and you realize that it was Russell Simmons' partner. So. Mm in charge of Jeff Def yeah. Jam. It was his partner who actually pushed forward the agenda of changing hip hop in, it, in its entirety and pushing forward that agenda. Yeah. So sometimes if that's what people are wanting in the industry, or if that's yeah, what people are wanting, they know yeah. where the money's going to be mm-hmm. and they know the message that they don't mind pushing forward in that but sense. Then again, at the end of the day, this sort of music is pushing a lifestyle which shouldn't be, Yeah, you know, it's making like, you know, it's like, not like, I said, like I said again, all. like, some of them rap about what they've done, what's, what they've experienced. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. But then some of them also, they almost glorify going and like harming someone yeah. or going and selling drugs or going yeah. and taking drugs. And like these kids listen to that. And yeah. they're yeah. like, that's why most listen. drill and I guess shut down now. Yeah. Like most of the concerts, yeah, these get shut down yeah. straight. Yeah. Before they like even six, like start line up, get shut videos down. videos have happened to be in takeoff um, online. Um, yeah. Tim Westwood, Crib Sessions, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and it does people, well, it leaves people questioning the music scene right now. But what I would say is, and I'm quite a big advocate for this, is don't believe everything you're going to see on the social media. Yeah. And I say this because you're being told or what you know of hip hop or rap as in, in, in a whole is that it's rap about and you have these, um, these features. So you have the women, the sex, the drugs, whatever. But then what you don't know about rap is that there's other rappers that are rapping about real, li- real life issues yeah, that are just not getting the They're same level of publicity. Yep. But you're relating those features with hip hop music. Mm-hmm. That's just one artist. Yeah. But then you're forgetting about the other artists. Oh, I feel yeah, like yeah. we're sort of seeing the agenda that they're pushing towards us. We're forgetting things that are going it's on. Just like, it's just like the media again, isn't it? Whatever they put f- out there in the news is what we yeah. see. Yeah. But in terms of, it goes back to the music industry. It's... It's not just the American music industry. I guess every UK artist wants to break through to the American market because yeah. that's where the money is. Yeah. But the UK industry is just as corrupt. And oh, of course. What I love seeing nowadays is that you're getting the OGs, you're getting Skepta, a mm. lot of the BBK members, Wiley, Jammer, who are, and I've seen them do it, they've been advocates for people going independent yeah. Yeah. because they know how the labels work. They've been in experience the first time. Yeah, yeah, they're not just telling you lies because they don't want to see you progress and go big. They're telling you this because they're trying to protect you because mm-hmm. they've been in a route, route themselves. Yeah. So I can respect that and I feel like young artists who want to get into music, they have to understand the industry. Yeah. And that's another point I was going to make about the levels of corruption. This was something I was reading recently. I cannot remember the name of the book. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure there will be a documentary of it online. But this is basically... um. It was just discussing. So let's say, for example, you've re- you're releasing an album and you're giving it to a supplier company, your CDs. And that supplier company is going to get a package of 100 CDs. Yeah. 85 out of 100 CDs are given and 15 of those will be given for free. But the original 85, they charge a higher percentage on it. So in essence, the record label is not losing any company. Exactly. But what they are doing is not selling those 15 CDs. Mm. So... The, um, the artists will not get money on those 15 CDs. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you keep doing that over and over again with different suppliers and you're doing it with more boxes, then you're giving away loads of free CDs just because you don't want to pay your artist. Yeah. There was one with Eminem, for example, where, um, so obviously sometimes when you send out a CD, there's going to be um, damage, so vinyl damage. So in order to succumb this, they normally um, just take a portion out of the original um, 12% that the artist would get and if there's any damage they'll take out money from the artist 12% but Damn. they will do this to digital downloads as well 
digital downloads. No sense. Digital downloads, they also charge packaging for. Crazy. These are all things which are in the small print yeah of these these things that these big artists are signing yeah. and they're not realizing it until years later when they realize oh my gosh i've got no money left yeah and it is becoming too late and this is why i'm pushing it forward because i've done my research on it because i've looked at deals and you know if i ever wanted to go down the music route i'm quite curious and i have to have this knowledge yeah. before i put pen do. to paper like, yeah. just imagine you put pen to paper you're thinking that's just a sheet of paper that sheet of paper holds power yeah. That's like, the danger of it. In some cases, if it's really corrupt, that's your death wish right there. Mm. Literally, yeah. like you're in a constant constant spiral of losing money, basically, yeah. and putting in the work. Yeah. yeah. So it's sad to see, but in terms of the music industry, I think it's heading in the right direction. Okay. Um, I do remember seeing statistic. I think it was last year, so 2018. The music industry made 43 billion, but guess how much of that 43 billion the artists actually got? How much? 12 billion of that. So the rest brilliant. of that money was all for the record labels just to wipe up. Nice but what's even more interesting is since there's been an increase in artists, I think it was 7% were independent originally. That's now gone up to 11%. No. They've gained more money. So it's gone up from the original amount. It's gone up by 3 million. So 3 billion. That's so crazy. it's just showing the effect that independence yeah. is mm-hmm. actually having on the industry. And yeah. I do think that perhaps will be the route for a lot of artists. I feel like yeah. it's going to be, I feel like record labels going to start losing yeah. out. Especially in the UK. Independent yeah. artists in the UK are doing amazing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was wow. a mad podcast. That was great. Uh, you had yeah, very good stuff to say. And I know, thank you for coming down today and enjoyed it and spreading some light to our, to our listeners. For real. Uh, Appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, we want to say for sponsorships, if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast, literally get in contact with us. Um, like that's one episode to multiple episodes. Also, if you want to be a guest, get in contact because yeah. we're also like we've got lined up guests as well. But if you want to come on and we haven't reached out to you, then reach out. But again, I want to say thank you to Simeon, Simeon for being man. on. Put uh, your DLs below. Yeah, 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 yeah. inside All everything. Socials, everything. So you got SoundCloud? Anything? Yeah, SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, everything. We'll put everything there. there down there. Don't worry. Yeah, everything. Want. Yeah, right. it's not the number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm. Um, we'll catch you guys in episode eight. All right. Cheers.